Well, I almost didn't want to come up here because the presence is in the house. Can we say Jesus? Jesus. Come on, let's say it again. Jesus. 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 Let me tell you this morning, Jesus is the answer. This morning, we are here to worship him because he is good, because he is amazing, because he is awesome. If you're visiting today, you're in the right place. Let me tell you that right now because Jesus is in the house, right? No matter what you're bringing to the table today, he can deal with that because that's who he is, right? That's our king. So, Father, this morning, we're going to lay it all down at your altar. And we're going to say, have your way today in this place. Amen. Have your way today in this place. Have your way in this place today, Lord. I just see healings taking place today. I see freedom from addiction. Freedom from mindsets that have owned you for years. Freedom from anxiety and stress. Come on, if any of this is something you're going through, put your hand up to the Lord. I see deliverance this morning. I see new life for those that have felt I don't have any life. I see life, life, life. I see joy being poured over the body of Christ. Jesus. Oh, isn't he good? This is just the start. He's going to do something today because that's who he is. Isn't this awesome? Seeing our kids. I'm telling you, church isn't just for the adults. We're raising these young ones up in the way they should go. And I love this. In fact, I think they're teaching us. They're teaching us how we should be worshiping with joy in our hearts, with life. Some of us need to learn how to jump and raise our hands because he is worthy of all his praise. Amen? So this altar... We've created space. It is open throughout the worship. It's not an invitation. You can come up. You can worship your king. You can kneel. You can raise your hands. You can dance. Because he is worthy of his praise. Amen? Sometimes the Holy Spirit changes things up, right? Let's stand to our feet. We're going to go back into worship. You know, Derek shared something with me about uh, two minutes ago. If you don't know Derek, this is Derek. He's one of the pillars in our church. We're very thankful for him. But you know what? He just painted a, a very beautiful picture, right? And he said, you know what? I see a rock bed, a dry rock bed. But I see the water coming in. I see the stream coming in. You know, and as he shared that with me, I feel like there's some people who feel dry today. I'm going to tell you, the water's coming in. But you're part of this. Right? It means you got to get into it. Right? Don't just watch it. You got to get into it. And so what does that mean? It means maybe you need to lift your hands today. Maybe it means you just need to talk to Jesus a little. Today it means that you choose not to be just someone who is a onlooker. You choose to say, I'm jumping in, Jesus, because I want to get in that water. Because that water of living life is here for everybody, amen? So Father, as we go back in, into worship, we say, have your way in this place. Father, have your way. I pray that not one person in this place today would be missed. 
I pray that you would touch everybody. I pray that you would move in every life. I pray if it's a children who's one or two, or someone that's 13 or 14, or someone that's 60 or 70, Jesus, we just pray that you move today. So church, let's honor him. Let's love him. Let's get in. Let's do it. We have a lot to learn from our kids. Telling you, I was just watching him and many of the other kids, and there was just a moment where I could just feel the heart of Jesus, right? And I could feel how proud he was, right? I just sensed it, and, and something just started to build up inside of me as I was watching him because unabandoned, right? Not worried about all you guys, not worried about anything. Unabandoned to Jesus in the moment. Wow, we need more of that in church, right? And I pray that it becomes so contagious that it begins to fall on every single one of us, right? That we can't keep our feet from dancing. We can't keep our hands from going up in the air. We can't keep our mouths from worshiping our Jesus. Oh, he's so good. Isn't he? He's so good. Come on, let's give him a hand. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Oh, man, it's been... Quite a weekend. I'm not sure how many of you have been at uh, the conference at Life Church. Anybody been at the conference at Life Church? Yeah, quite a few of you. That's awesome, right? So I was able to go on uh, the the Friday night, and I was able to take in Greg Hendricks. I've met him before. He's uh, I believe he's from San Diego. Uh, he's in the states, and he uh, you know has a ministry, and he actually ministers to a lot of professional athletes and stuff like that. And you know he came and he brought a message that was. Uh, you know, pretty direct, <laughs> you know, and, and there was a point when he actually, even at the beginning, I thought it was funny, because he actually made this statement, right, and I feel there's a bit of a theme in the worship here, and even with what Paul just did, but, uh, you know, all of a sudden, he just started saying, you know, I want you guys to actually get to know one person this weekend, that you came in here, and you don't know who they are, one person, and you could feel in the room, right, you know what I'm talking about right now, you could feel it in the room, almost like, you're going to make us do something awkward, right? And I mean, these are leaders of the faith. These are people who have been in church most of their lives. And I appreciated the challenge because what he's trying to say is, we're the body of Christ. We need to be unified. We need to be marching with one another. And I loved his message. You know, I don't know how many of you got to see uh, uh, Chris Vallotton. I appreciated his message, too. There was a good challenge to the church. You know, uh, his first message, you know, it might offend some people, but uh, I, I feel like there was a great call behind it, and it was almost this as a church, right? One of the things that I got out of it, that as a church, we cannot be in a victim mode. I love that message. We cannot be in victim mode, right? Because we have trials and tribulations, and because we have things that have been hard to go through. We cannot be in victim mode. We need to be in victory mode, right? As the church of Jesus Christ, we actually have to be going about our business. And I loved he went to the political realm and said, I do my due diligence, I vote, but I don't vote because I expect it to change my world. That's the church's job, right? And so I'm telling you, if you haven't seen those messages, they're worth uh, looking at, listening to. You know, uh, I, I thought about maybe we should do something on an evening or, or whatever even, I don't know. Uh, how many of you would be interested in listening to those messages just out of curiosity? Quite a few of you, okay? Maybe we'll see if we can do something with that because they'll send us the videos and we will have those videos and maybe we could show it at some point in time. Um, 
You know, I've spoken uh, off and on here for a little while, and I know my messages have been similar. They're probably going to be similar for the next year or two, right? Because I feel like God's trying to put his hand on some things, and he's trying to get the church to break past, you know, some of our walls. Maybe that's a way of saying it, or, or some of our habits. And not saying that our habits are bad, but I'm saying we actually can begin to extend what we're doing as a church, right? And the season for the church to, you know, I can say it this way, there's a season for the church to gather, but there's a season for the church to scatter, right? Did you hear me? Yeah. Right? There's a season for the church to gather, and there is a season for the church to scatter. And here's, here's the reality, right? The ecclesia, the body of Christ, us, yeah. right? When we walk out of church, church doesn't end. We are the church. Yeah. And so, again, there is a season that is upon us where it's not just about coming into these walls, but it's about what we're doing when we get outside of these walls, right? Those everyday moments that I believe are going to start to shift where some of you feel like you're in that dry season. I feel like that dry season will end when we're about the will and the business of the king, right? And there is this thing where we're, oh, I'm going to get into covenant today, and I'm going to talk about community covenant. And I almost wanted to shift it to brothers and sisters, but I feel like some of us don't realize, but we've made covenant with the enemy, and today is a day where we want to break covenant off with the enemy. Where we've said, yeah, I'll go after all these things that are in the world. And Jesus is saying, whoa, 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 that's not what it's about. Without seeing it, we've made covenant where we should not have made covenant. We've made agreement where we should not have made agreement. And the Lord is saying that season's done. I'm waking my church up. I want you to walk in covenant with me. But it goes deeper. It goes deeper. Because we can't walk in covenant with him if we don't walk in covenant with one another. They go hand in hand. That's the way it works. And so that's why I loved hearing the unity message coming through worship and hearing Paul talking about unity. Uh, I wasn't even going to speak on this today. I wanted to speak on something else. And then Jim Denotter last week, who did a great job, right? Come on, give him a hand. He did an amazing job. I mean, two of the verses that he hit were two of the verses that I already had, you know, written down in my notes, and I was about to deviate from it, and then the Lord said, uh-uh, no, you're not. I'm trying to hit this one. I'm trying to hammer it, right? The nail's not all the way in. It's partially in. We got to get it all the way in or that thing's going to fall apart, right? And we don't want it to fall apart. And so I'm thankful for the message Jim brought. It's powerful, right? And so, again, I, I don't know. Uh, we can call this community covenant, or we can call us brothers and sisters. You know, a couple months ago, I preached on the, the need to be mothers and fathers, right? Yeah. Oh, man. I wish I got more amens every time I said that. <laughs> I really did, because if we understood how important it is to become mothers and fathers in the faith, right, we'd get pretty excited, and we'd be saying, yes, I want to be a mother. I want to be a father. I want to do what he's calling me to do. Right? Well, I want to say this, right? Here's the whole deal with covenant. You can't have covenant without vision. You just can't, right? So one without the other cannot survive. That's just the way it goes. Okay? Without covenant, visions go what? They go unfulfilled. Right? Why? Because we need each other. We cannot do this on our own. We can't. Any vision that God gives us Right? We cannot do it on our own. Right? We need each other to do this. 
Without vision, covenant relationships have no purpose. If we have no vision, we don't know what we're, where we're going. Vision is essential to everything we're doing. I'm telling you, if you have no vision in your life right now, maybe that's why you're a little bit dry, because there's no vision. Vision is essential to everything. We need to see and know where we're going. And guess what? We have the ultimate guide, right? He wants to tell us where we need to go. But when the two meet, great things can happen. Great things can happen when vision and covenant come together. You hear me? This is the truth. You know this. Some of you have had vision. You've cast that vision to others. They've come behind it, and something changed. Right? Oh, man. God is trying to bring the family of God together. He's trying to unite us in a way that it's never been done before. And so I'm going to get into some of that today. Okay, uh, just setting it up a little bit, but I want to go a little bit on the vision story, and I only want to talk about a few things here just so we understand vision a little bit better. But vision is focusing on what? Future possibilities. Right? That's what vision is. We're focusing on future possibilities, which a lot of us need. Right? So we have to have a vision. There's something that can shift. There's something that can change. That's the vision. And when we have it, we can actually go in a direction. Without zero vision, we sit in the middle of nowhere. We have nowhere to go. Right? We become a little down, depressed. Because what am I doing with my life? Right? We need vision. Now here's the deal with vision. Visions are not created for the well-being of the leader, but must reflect the hopes and the dreams of the followers. I could share a vision and you could give a rip about it. We're not going anywhere. Right? So it has to be a vision that you guys are going to catch. So when we share our visions, the followers have to grab a hold of this. And when we grab a hold of this, something shifts, something changes. Vision must be clearly communicated and understood by everybody. We need to be better at that one. And here's the big one. I want you to get this. Because I feel like there is a vision that God's laid before us. Vision must be achievable. A vision of God, right here, looks pretty big, doesn't it? Massive. I brought this out on purpose. How many of you have your actual Bible today? Hold it up in the air, right? Wow, we got a good percentage of us. I love that, right? Vision of God, right here, written down in what? How many pages? 900, 1,000, two, or what? That's a pretty big vision, but let me tell you something. God would not give you a vision that is not attainable. Did you hear that? See, I think some of us don't think it's attainable. We're never going to say that out loud, but here's the reality. God has given us a, a vision, and that vision is attainable. It is. Now, let me touch on covenant just a little bit here too, right? Covenant, I think we have a, a grasp of covenant, right? Covenant is really an agreement between two parties, right? We make an agreement with each other, okay? Now, a couple things about covenant. Fulfilling your vision and living out your purpose in life is impossible without the involvement of other people. It doesn't matter if it's your spouse, your kids, your extended family, your church. Okay, again, we have to understand this. This is the unity, and this is why unity is so important, because without each other, we don't go anywhere. It stops. 
right? Just good ideas. But when we have each other, everything shifts, everything changes. Being dedicated to the cost, the vision, no matter what, that's covenant, right? We actually are making a covenant. No matter the cost, I'm dedicated to this. No matter what, no matter what, no matter what. Now, Scripture, Proverbs 29, 29, 18 says this. It says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Well, what's that saying? In other words, the uniting bond of covenant is lost if there is no vision set before the people. Covenant falls flat. Where are we going? What are we doing? I've seen so many churches where all of a sudden it's just like, boom, they hit a wall. Why? Because the followers don't know where they're going. Right? And then it gets confusing. I'm telling you, I want to paint a picture today because we're going somewhere as a church. Right? We are going somewhere not just as a church but as a community, as a province, as a nation. We're going somewhere. There is a plan. Right? And I'm hoping to touch base with you a little bit about that plan today. Now, I want to talk a little bit about, I'm not going to spend time on this, but just four covenants that uh, I'm going to touch on. Now, I've actually asked Casey here, I I want him to teach a class, and we may do a three-part thing, you know, just on covenant, because there's so many covenants in the Bible, right? You know, we know this. I think it's covenants spoken about 300 times in the Bible. Right, And so I think most of us are aware of Genesis 15 of the blood covenant, right? The most serious, a blood covenant is a covenant of life or death, right? And then we have, and these are some interesting ones, right? Numbers 18.9 talks about the salt covenant. Anybody remember the salt covenant? Right? So the whole salt covenant, the salt is essential for life. It's preserving qualities made it essential for agreement. Each party would give a pinch of salt from their pouch. Now this next one's one of my favorite ones. All right? Ruth 8 talks about this. 4.8. It's a covenant was sealed when both parties would give, give something of value. What would they give? Anybody remember? Can you imagine this? We're going to seal this deal, Kenner. Here's my shoe, buddy. Actually, I don't like his shoes. I want to do it with somebody else here. Who's got nicer shoes? Well, I'm not taking your shoes. They won't even fit me. Right? Where's Patrick's shoes? He always wears snazzy shoes. I mean, look at, come here. Come here. Show these people these shoes. I mean, hey, give me that shoe. No, you're size like 14. I'm size 8. That doesn't work. Right? But that's a nice shoe, right? It's a nice shoe. Now, I can't preach in one shoe, so I'll take them both off. Now I'm on holy ground, right, Jen? Do you like my socks? Anybody actually know what that is? You know, I brought something else here today, too, because Jen told me I should wear it, and I said, no, our church would lose it because we're not allowed to wear hats. But I thought I'd bring us because this is one of them hats that I got, and apparently if you're 50 or older, you're allowed to wear them. And then, and then, and then I look over, stand up, stand, and then I look over. Hey, come on, right? I wish there was a covenant that we would be doing with hats, right? And I'd get all my terrible hats and and change them with somebody. I like that hat quite a bit, right? And of course, there's the one we do, Ezekiel 17. It's an 18. It's the tradition that came from ancient covenants made centuries ago, which was, you know, shaking the hand, right? Which is a covenant. That's what we still do today. 
You know, it's that promise to one another. We simply walk up and say, we're going to make a deal, right? And we shake hands on that thing. Boom, done, right? Let go of my hand, <laughs> all right? You know, you all think Ken is serious? He's, he sometimes acts like a grade seven or just so you know, right? A lot, right? Maybe a lot, right? I know him a little better than you, and <laughs> so I'm just going to stop right there. There's a lot of stories that could come out, but we should park it, right? We'll park that one. I had something I wanted to say that was really important, and then I took my shoes off, and I distracted myself, right? And so we'll see if it comes back to my memory. Now, remind me before we leave, Patrick's going to come up because he's got an announcement at the end, right? And uh, aren't we glad Patrick's here? We love it when my brother from another mother is in the house, right? I love you, buddy. Patrick is my brother, just so you guys know. I love him so much. Uh, our African root. <laughs> amen, 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 right? That's right, that's right. It's so good. Well, let me talk to you a little bit about uh, this, um, and hopefully that other point comes back to me. Um, well, it's kind of like this, actually. Covenant and contract. We understand the difference, right? So again, I, I could have a contract with somebody, right? I got a contract with TELUS or whatever, and that contract, right, at some point it ends, right? Covenant, it just doesn't end, okay? So I think we know that. Covenant doesn't end. When we make a covenant with God, it's forever, right? I look at it kind of like this in a sense, you know? It's... Um, I could take care of somebody else's kids for a little while, but it's going to end. There's a contract is maybe they come over for three hours and then out they go. It's done. But if I have kids, <laughs> you know, sometimes we do boot them out of the house, but they're my kids forever. I'm in covenant relationship with my kids. It never will end. My love for my son and daughter will never end, right? I will battle for them for the rest of my life. When I chose to have my kids, I said this, I'm all in, no matter what. Let me tell you something, you know what? Age doesn't make you a father. Reproduction does. Did you hear that? It's true. We need to understand that. In the faith, just because you're older doesn't make you a father. Reproduction, right? Are we making disciples? Are we raising our own kids? Are we taking care of them? Are we raising them up? Fathering doesn't end at birth, <laughs> right? We know that. All right, let me get back to my message. I want to talk a little bit about uh, vision, the vision of God. Again, remember that these two things are connected all the way through, and I'm going to keep track of the time here. Uh, most vision statements are short. That's what we're taught, right, Cam? In college, all that stuff. We're one to two sentences, right? That's it. That's all we're supposed to have. And again, then we have our Lord God who has this vision statement. It's a little bit bigger than that, right? It's massive, all right? Big, big, big one. But I'm going to see if I can actually bring that vision statement down a little bit. You know, we actually sat together a while ago as a leadership, and, you know, our vision statement was in Ephesians 4, right, to, uh, to make disciples. No, not make disciples, to train and equip and to release for the work of the ministry, right? So just in case some of you are wondering, that's been our, our, 
our mission statement for years, but I think it's shifting a bit because that's still within it. But I actually want to tell you what, what I think our vision is. I'm taking a bit of a risk here. Okay, so leadership at any point, feel free to stand up. Say, I don't agree with you, but I don't think you will. All right? So if we could downsize this whole thing right here. This sounds like heresy, doesn't it? Here it is. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You all should be doing what Bernice is doing. This is a reality right here, right? We, we just got a revelation that is huge. Huge. What is our mission? What is our vision? To do the will of the Father. That's what we're called to do, right? So yes, to train and equip and to release part of it. That's the vision. What's the will of the Father? That's a big question. Well, here's where I get out of the way. Because the only thing that will mess this message up is me. But now I'm going to read the word. Because you can't go wrong with that. You just can't. So I want you to hear some. I was just going to read the one verse, but I'm going to read it all. Because, I mean, this is so important. And I'm going to read it out of my Bible. Verses out of my phone. You with me? Ben and a couple others are with me. Thank you. We're going to uh, 1 John uh, 3, 20, well, no, 1 John 3, 10, and we're going to read to 23. Now, the first I'm going to hit home is verse 23, but we're going to start at verse 10. Can you just listen to this? Really listen to this and get this in your spirit. Out of everything I'm saying, this is so important, so important to understand this. It says, in this, the children of God and the, and the children of the devil are manifested. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. We heard that? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Whew. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. And this is, this is what Chris Vallotton was talking about, right? You know, again, it's just a reality. Like, let's not have a victim mindset, right? They're coming after us. Why? Because we're doing something right. If they're not coming after you, that's all I have to say about that. Verse 14, it says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in what? Yeah. Let me read that again because this one's a tough one. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Verse 15, Whoever hates his brother is a what? I mean, I'm not saying this. This is the Bible, all right? This is not me right now, so you can't argue this. Verse 15 again. Whoever hates his brother, this is, sorry, it's making me think of uh, the one speaker. We're going to bring it back. You guys at the conference, 
roll it back. We're going to roll it back. That's what he would say. We're going to run it back. Everybody say, run it back. That's what we're going to do. We're going to run it back, right? Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Did you hear that? I heard it. I'm so convicted. Are you convicted at all? I'm convicted. Right? Verse 16 says, By this we know love because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Man, we need to know how to give and take care of not just the people in here, the people out there, right? That's just part of it. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Verse 23, what is the will of God? And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. That's what we're called to do. What's our covenant? It's with Jesus and each other. He's laid it out right there. It's right in front of us, not an option, not to be in covenant with one another. If you're not, you're not in covenant with him. It's not how it works. That should convict. That should challenge. That should cause us to want to shift and change some things. Right? Because this is the reality. Covenant with him, Jesus Christ, to the day we die, and covenant with one another. Right? This is what we're called to. This is the only way everything is going to shift. We're going to see more of this in a minute. Now, let me just touch on this. Um, who does the will of the Father? Anybody? We do. Right? We do. We do the will of the Father. I mean, it's Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. It says this. For, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of what? Works. We're not saved by works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. Here's the reality. We're not saved by our works, but we're created to do good works. Right? Again, a tree has no fruit. It's dead. If a tree has fruit, it's evidence it's alive. It's just the way it is, right? So community covenant starts in your home, then your church, then your community, your city, your nation, and the nations. We build it until we have dominion. Did you hear that? We build covenant until we have dominion from sea to shining sea, right? So again, learning how to expand out. It always starts out with our comfort community. God's a good God, right? It does. It starts out with our comfort community. I can love Jen and my kids, right? This is, in a sense, it's like this. This is the nuclear church, and then we have the extended church, right? So again, we gather, we scatter, right? Nuclear church right here, my nuclear family, Jen and my kids, right? And then my extended family, aunts, uncles, cousins, 
you guys. Right? Eventually, it goes from my nuclear family to my extended family. That's the way it has to work. He teaches us how to love each other in our families. He teaches us how to forgive within our families so that we can take the next step. And then he gives us extended families. And then he gives us church communities. And then he gives us cities, provinces, and nations that we can love. This is the call of God. All right. So this is where, you know, Jim hit some stuff that I want to hit too. And it's this whole thing on, let me find it here. Right here, it's all on unity. I got this handout. 30 scriptures on unity. I'm not going to read them all. I'm going to read some of them. All right, you with me? Good. Right, Psalms 133, verse 1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in what? In unity. Absolutely, right? We can flip over to this one too. Uh, Let's go with, I want to go this one. Uh, Philippians 2.22. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. It's good scripture. Then Jim touched on this one. I'll read this one now. Both John 17, 21 and 23, and 17, 21 says this. It says, that they, may be, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Now, if we flip to 23, it says this. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Byproduct of unity, there is a benefit, right? Benefit is they believe. Doesn't that, I mean, it, sometimes we do our evangelistic stuff And it's hard, and I know some of us are tainted towards evangelism because we've done this stuff in our own works to, you know, in our own strength. And it hasn't worked, and it taints us. But I'm going to tell you something. You don't give up on evangelism. It just looks different. We just did it wrong. Don't cut it out. We don't throw it out of the Bible because we did it poorly. We change it up. Right? Let me tell you, we have a key right here. And the key is love each other. Love each other with everything in you, and guess what? They're going to see it. They're going to know it's true, and they're going to come running. Because what does the world want? They all want love. I'm sorry, you want love. That's why you're here today. We want love. We want to be cared for. We want family. That's what they want out there. They're so confused, but they want family. God is saying, can my people right in here, can you honestly get past that stuff? But he's so weird and so different and he doesn't do things the way I do. Let me read you a scripture. Oh, my voice is gone. Can you crack one of those water bottles, please? Uh, 1 Corinthians, let me grab it from here, actually. Thank you, Paul. You're so kind. Yeah, he is. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says this. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, all of the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Now let me read 
28 and 29, and I want you to really grab this. Right, 20 and 29 say this. It says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works in all. Unity doesn't mean we all have to look the same. Big mistake that the church has done. You don't do it my way, something's wrong. No. Right, well, there is something wrong, and it's wrong with you. Right, sorry. Right, it's just the reality of it. It's true. Right, we look different. It's scary. Right? I mean, we got the intercessors. We got the pastors. Right? We got the teachers. We got all these people. And some of us are looking at the intercessors going, they freak me out. You know, I was watching Chris Vallad, and he even said, I don't even like being around intercessors. They scare him. Right? Now he's joking. There's something in us that gets scared, but they do it so different. So what? It's just different. It's a different ministry. It's a different part. Same spirit. Same with the pastors. We do it a little bit different. Same spirit. Same with the evangelists. Same spirit. Right? We got to get this inside of us. We want to go anywhere as a church. We got to catch this. Right? For too long. Right? We've, we, we've actually separated everything. Sorry. The vision is to do the will of the Father, which is in this book. And it's all of this. It's all part of it. That's just the way it is. It doesn't happen if we're not in unity with one another. Let me put this over here. May come back to it. Oh, boy. What is it to do the will of the Father? I'm going to try to go through some of these a little quicker, but this one I need to read for sure when I get to it. Yeah, that's a really good one. Uh, we all know the Good Samaritan, right? Luke, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Luke 29 to 37, if you need it, just to write down, right? Uh, we're not called to pass by anybody, right? It actually literally says, you know, I'll pray for you. He doesn't need your prayer in the moment. Right? In this moment, you don't pass by him, you help him. You take him to a hotel. You do what you have to do. There's something about that. Ben alluded to something, and I'm trying to remember what it was, because there's a part of us that, you know, sometimes we want to shut things down because it looks a little different. I can't even remember how you were. Yeah, it was the jumping into the puddles as kids. Right? I think that is such a great illustration. I hope you caught that. Right? Because there's something, and no, 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 you're going to get your clothes all wet. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, don't evangelize. I've been hurt doing that before. Don't do that. No, 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 you're going to get hurt. You know, I got permission to share this story, and so I'm going to share it with you. Our MLA, Cyril Turton. Everybody know him? We went to an event a couple weeks back, and we get to this event, and it's, uh, you know, our deputy minister's there, Jason Nixton, Searle's there, our mayor's there, a bunch of people were talking about the homeless, you know, and I don't really want to get into this, but I do want to say this. There was a point in that meeting where our deputy minister said, if anybody in here thinks the church shouldn't be in here, you've made a mistake. This is in a meeting with all the highest people in our city saying that, in fact, the homeless has been taken care of by the church way before we were part of this. And they're going to be the ones that do it today because everywhere in Canada, the church is part of it. Right? I didn't even want to go to that meeting. 
I struggled with it a bit, but the Lord said, no, you just need to be in the room. Be in the room, influence at all these levels. Because the church was in the room, and guess what? The church is the one responding to help our homeless in this community. They see it. It's doing something. It's convicting. I watched a message preached in a room that it shouldn't have been preaching, but it was because we were there. I didn't even mean to talk about that. But it was a good one. Thanks, Ken. So Cyril goes home from that meeting. <laughs> it's 10.30 at night. He's in bed. His kid is at some youth group thing. And after youth group, they go to McDonald's. And they're sitting at McDonald's. When they're sitting at McDonald's, they see this homeless guy there. And so the kids are like, oh, man, we got to do the Jesus thing, right? We got to feed him. We got to do something. So all these kids say, let's buy him food, right? And so they go and they buy him some food, right? Good, good thing. Excellent, right? I'm sure lots of you have done this. So this is what they do. They buy him food. They're all feeling good with the, about each other. And then they leave. They scatter, right? You get this, right? So again, in McDonald's, they are the church. And then they're scattering, right? Going their separate ways, doing their thing, going home. So Cyril's son's driving home, and he sees this lady walking her dog. But he notices this, this lady doesn't look like she got it all together, all right? <laughs> and so he stops his car. He's 17 years old. Stops his car, and he says, hey, are you okay? She says, no, I'm homeless. I have nowhere to sleep. And he has this moment where it's like, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit, right? It's like, oh, my goodness. And it's like he looks at her and says, well, we got a full basement you could sleep in, right? Massive basement, Right? That's what the word says. Don't pass by somebody when they need something. Right? We got a full basement. Get in my car. I'll take you home. So he does it. He puts her in his car. How many parents are cringing? <laughs> right? He puts her in the car. And then he drives home. Searle's in bed. Amy's up. <laughs> he walks in the house and says, Mom, I got a homeless person in my car with their dog. She's like, What? Why? He said, well, I brought her home because we got a full basement, and you know what the Bible says. I'm just doing what the Bible says, Mom. And Mom's like, are you crazy? We don't know who she is. We don't know nothing. And at this point, Cyril phones me. I'm out, just so you know. If you phone me after 930, I'm probably not going to answer. Right? I get up at 5, so I'm out. I'm done. I'm asleep. Right? And so... <laughs> Sorry, I just got the whole story in my head, so I'm laughing ahead of time, right? I know. <laughs> Cyril phones me. He can't get a hold of me. He goes downstairs, and he sees this kid. What are you thinking? Right? He's like, what do you mean? I'm doing the Bible, Dad. I mean, they're having this moment. And when Cyril finally phoned me the next day, he's saying, what's with you Pentecostals and the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's telling him to do all this stuff. What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? And so they have this whole conversation. They finally decide we're going to put, him in, put her in a hotel, and we're going to feed her, and they did that. So good on you, MLA Cyril Turton. Way to go. Woohoo! Right? Yeah, and so Cyril and I are talking. He's like, what do I do with this? I said, well, what do you mean, what do you do with it? It's a tough one, and here's the thing about the puddle. There's a temptation. This kid had compassion. Sometimes our own lack of wanting to do something causes us to say, don't do it. 
don't do this, don't do that. Don't jump in the puddle, you might get a little dirty. Now again, this is what I said to Searle, don't shut down his compassion. Don't do that, mom and dad. For your kid, don't shut down the compassion. No way. So compassion without wisdom equals trouble. Right? Some of you have done this. I've done it. Compassion with wisdom, everything changes. Don't shut down the compassion. Don't shut down the evangelist, the past. Don't shut down any of it because you've been wounded or hurt or something ugly happened. Uh-uh. We're going to redirect, right? We're going to figure it out. We're going to respond the right way. What is doing the will of God? I still got a little bit of time. I got to read this one, right? Matthew 25, 31 to 40, feeding the poor and clothing the naked. This is one of the most pivotal scriptures we can read. This is so blunt, right? Now, I want you to hear what it says, all right? Again, now I'm getting out of the way, and we get to hear what he says. So Matthew 25, 31, let me just find it. I'm there. All right, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, as a shepherd divides his sheep and goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did this to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then 41 says this. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed. In the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you then? He will, then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I will say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Amen. Yeah, one amen. Because <laughs> it's tough. It's covenant with him. Covenant with each other. Covenant with a community. Covenant with a province. We're meant to walk together. We're meant to care for one another. I mean, it tells us right there the consequences if we don't. Now, let me whip past a couple of these. You know, Mark uh, 16, 15 says, you know, we preach to all creation. This is part of the covenant. Why? Because we care about everybody. It's not just about me. It's about all these people. 
right? We preach to creation, right? Uh, Matthew, at the end, the Great Commission, right? Discipling the nation. It's the whole concept, again, of parenting. And this I want to touch on, right? To do the will of Father is this, to prophesy, not just in here, but out there, because prophecy is a sign to the unbeliever. Yes. To teach. Right? We got teachers in here. We got to teach. We need the foundation. God told me we needed seniors in here. Why? Because they're foundational. They have the word hidden in their hearts. We need to teach. If you don't know the word, you need to get it in your heart. It's part of doing the will of God, of get, is getting his word in you and teaching it to others. The pastor right here wasn't always a pastor, folks. Wasn't. It was very much an evangelist. I mean, when I got saved, that's all it was about, right? And I struggled in the church for years because I'm like, what is going on, right? Didn't you see what just happened to me? I was lost, now I'm found. Do it for everybody. What's wrong? What's wrong? And I wanted to judge. Chuck my stones. You're, what's, ugh, I can't be here. And this is the temptation again. I want to go off on my own. No! You need the community. Don't forsake the assembly of the saints. Right? We need to see that's the Lord. You're just saying, boom, this is a really important point. Get it, right? Get it in your hearts. Oh, and we got those evangelists. What we need, evangelists, rise up, I'm telling you. It's time to do the will of the Father, to preach to all creation. Right? We're called to do this. And then we're called to build, to plant, to create. This is the apostle. We gotta build ministries. We gotta plant new churches. It's not enough just to say we got community church. Our pews aren't full, they're gonna get full. I declare that in Jesus' name. Right, and then the next phase comes. It's time to plant, it's time to grow. Let's not just sit here and say, look at us, we're doing good, we got a full church, woo. That's not what it's about, never was. Let's keep going. It's to heal the sick. Not just in here again. Right? Like when Jesus healed the sick, it was in front of people all the time that didn't know him. It convinced them that he was God. God, give us more faith to do this. My time's almost up. It's a good place to almost end. You know, I think some of you know who Peter Wagner is. Uh, a good book to read again. You know, he has a book, I think it's called Dominion, right? And it does talk about the nuclear church versus the extended church. And as a church, we need to understand this. So valuable to be in here today, right? So valuable, right? Watching those kids doing that. Oh my goodness, it's so valuable to be in here. To be with one another. I know some of you are struggling today. You need to be in here. Don't leave without talking to us. Come find us so we can pray for you. Right? Don't. We need to encourage you. Don't go home depleted, barely functioning, barely moving. Come and get some prayer. Like when we close here, we're going to get our prayer team up. Come and get prayer. May someone come to a piano or something. Whoever wants to do whatever. Thanks, Ben. Do you guys like my shirt today? Where's Michelle? Stand up, Michelle. Michelle wore a shirt today. She's got the heart. I got the cross, right? They're nice. Yeah, yeah. shiny light moment, right? I don't know why I thought of that. 
but I did. Again, our nuclear church, our immediate family right here. Forgive me if I haven't loved you well enough. Seriously, I became a pastor. I'm more pastoral now. Why? Because I started asking the Lord. I shared it last week. Let me see through your eyes. And as I do that, my heart breaks for the body. I'm seeing through his eyes. And then I walk out of here and I still see through his eyes. And it just breaks me to pieces. God, may we do your will. You know, I had this vision like two days ago. I shared it with Gavin actually. You know, I, I know we're crying for Jesus, come back and take us from this world. Take us, take us, take us. And then I had this vision. I, I had it, the thought in my head. And then I just saw this. I saw this picture of thousands of people standing on one side of this raging river. And I saw this little tiny boat taking someone to the other side. And when they got there, there was transportation to heaven. And this person saying, let's go, man, let's go. Finally, we're here. And then the father says, no, 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 no. It's not time to go yet. Look, look at them all. Look at them all. Look at them all. I got to go get them. I'm telling you, folks, I want to go to heaven, but I know this. God is saying, church, will you love each other? Love each other. Walk in covenant community with me, with each other. It's going to start to shift and change everything. Don't walk in covenant with the enemy. No more. Ask him where you're doing that. I'm asking him that today, now. Where have I been walking with you? Where have I made this so much more important than everything else? I want to walk in covenant with you. It's not about my retirement. It's not about all these things. It's about this right here. This is it. This is it, church. This is why we're here. No other reason. This is why we're here. Let's stand to our feet. I had about another 20 minutes worth, but we'll save it for another day. Do you have something to say? Oh. Oh. I just wanted to say I like your shirt. I just, I'm just feeling something in the room, and I, I think it's as much for me as it is for you, but I've been thinking about how many of us would say we've made covenant with others in the past, and it hasn't gone well. You know, it's not gone well. I think about um, those of us who have been through divorce, um, really difficult nuclear family experiences. I think about church splits. I think about where we have conflict with one another. I think about where maybe we've even made covenant with God and it really didn't turn out how we expected. It was way harder, more painful, more lost than we thought it was gonna be. I think about grief, I think about loss. And sometimes when a message like this is preached, it stirs up stuff in, in us. Because what's being asked of us is that we turn towards one another and we get close and we have to be vulnerable. 
and we're being asked to turn towards the heart of God. And that's vulnerable, and that's scary. And we're being asked to make covenant in a way with the world, to love them well, to lay down our lives for them. But I don't know if you've noticed, the world is kind of scary right now. And I just feel like, I feel this faith in the room for those wounds to be healed. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far our transgressions have been removed from us. And as deep as the power of the finished work of the cross is, that's how deep he can go to heal our wounds. And there is space here in this place, there's grace here in this place for us to turn towards one another and make covenant, to turn towards God and make covenant, to turn towards the world and love them well, to bleed for them. And so I wonder if I could quickly, do I have permission to pray for healing? And I'm gonna ask you to be vulnerable And if you've made covenant and you've been wounded in that covenant, I'm gonna ask, we can close our eyes, let's do that. I'm gonna ask that you raise your hands. And in faith, I'm gonna ask, pull on your faith right now that God can heal this this wound in your life, in your heart. I, I feel him coming to you right now and rattling the chains of that pain, of that wound. I can feel him I can, I can hear the Lion of Judah roaring over you. He's jealous for you. And he is shaking the walls of that prison right now. I want you to open your heart up to that right now. I want you to pull on your faith. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, I want to declare that the pain of broken covenant is being healed today in the room. I want to declare that the lies that got attached to that pain are being shut down right now by the truth of God, by the blood of Jesus, by the finished work of the cross and the power of the Trinity. I want to declare that all of heaven is being loosed today to come and meet you where you are at. And the pain is being healed and the truth is being delivered unto you. And I want to say over you, there is grace to make covenant with others. There is grace to make covenant with the Lord. There is grace to turn towards the world and love them well and bleed for them there is grace today for this and so I want to say that the power of that wound is now being cut off in the name of Jesus Christ that the power of that wound is being cut off now in the name of Jesus Christ and we are a people of his pasture and we have enough to be able to step into this word today in fullness in wholeness in truth in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna ask that for those of you that lifted up your hands today and that prayer was prayed over you, take a step of faith. Turn towards someone. Turn towards one another. Turn towards the Lord. Turn towards the lost and do not be afraid. And in fact, if you are afraid, pull on his love and do it anyway. Bless you this week, I pray in Jesus' name.